The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. At that time, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman of that district came and called out, Have pity on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But Jesus did not say a word in answer to her. Jesus' disciples came and asked him, Send her away, for she keeps calling out after us. He said in reply, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But the woman came and did Jesus homage, saying, Lord, help me. He said in reply, It is not right to take the food of the children and throw it to the dogs. She said, Please, Lord, for even the dogs eat the scraps that fall from the table of their masters. Then Jesus said to her in reply, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And the woman's daughter was healed from that hour. The Gospel of the Lord. Way back in the late 1990s, I started uh, going back to church. I, I was Catholic my whole life, but I didn't go to church that much. And I started going to this little church to see what the Catholic religion was all about. And I, I actually didn't go to Mass every Sunday. But every time I went to Mass, I had this feeling that there was something important that went on there. Something about the Eucharist and something about the Word of God. And while going to this church... I met someone who was the first permanent deacon that I ever met. His name was Deacon Bill Kane. And whenever he would preach, I felt like I really wanted to listen to him. His homilies were clearly very well prepared, and he seemed like he, he took his ministry of preaching very, very seriously. And every time he said stuff, it would be stuff that I could relate to, stuff that I could go home and think about during the week. And it was... Uh, very authentic. I had this feeling that this deacon, when he preached, he believed everything that he was saying. Well, as time went on, I, I got to know a little more about Deacon Kane, and I found out that he was a veteran of the Vietnam War. And I didn't know that for a while, but I found out that he was a veteran of the Vietnam War, and he, he was sent there when he was a young man. And, and the experience of that war as it would be for anyone who went to war, would have been traumatic for him. You know, no one knows what it's like to go. You can hear about it in a book or see a movie about it, but it's a whole different experience when you've been there. I remember my, my two great uncles both were in World War II, and their experiences from many decades ago stayed with them until the very end of their life on this earth. I remember my, one of my great uncles, toward the end of his life, I would go to visit him in the hospital and he started talking to me about his experiences in the war. And the way he spoke to me, it was like he was talking about things that happened yesterday. They were realities that, that did something to his heart that stayed with him for the rest of his life. Well, for Deacon Bill Kane, his experience of the Vietnam War would have been something that would have changed him. 
something that did something to his heart, maybe broke his heart when he saw all the horrors of war. In the course of the Vietnam War, uh, Bill Kane received a critical injury, and he ended up in the hospital for about a year in recovery. Uh, he spent time in a hospital in Japan and later in the United States. And after this, he was uh, given the Purple Heart and the Soldier's Medal for Heroism. But you can imagine that the trauma of what he went through stayed with him for his whole life. I have another friend who's a veteran of wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, and he told me that he can tell who has been to war simply by the look in their eyes. And he actually saw a man that he didn't even know who he was, and he said to me, this man's been to war. And I happened to know that this particular man had been to war, and my friend was right. Something happened in the heart of Bill Kane that probably broke his heart. But you know, you wouldn't have known it if you met him. When I met him, I, I had this feeling I was with a man who had everything together in life, and life was going great for him. Well, he became a deacon in the year 1990, and that's when I started to meet him a few years after that. His preaching was something that really touched people's hearts and was very meaningful. Uh, to this day, almost 25 years after I heard him preach, I can still remember some of his sermons from back then. Well, for Deacon Bill Kane, he was going to experience even more trauma in his life when he experienced probably the worst thing anyone could experience when his youngest son died tragically in a car accident in 1998. And at that time, I was about to enter the seminary to discern the call to priesthood. And when I heard about the death of Deacon Kane's son, Matthew, I said, I better go to the funeral. And I really didn't know Deacon Kane too well, but I said, I have to go. I have to go to this funeral. And it was the first time I went to a church that was totally packed with people. There was standing room only, and, and they have had to give special instructions on how to receive communion because there were so many people in the church. And Deacon Kane gave the eulogy at the end of the Mass. And you can imagine how sad that was for him. And here's a man who had experienced tragic death so much in his experience in the Vietnam War, and then now he experiences it in a very personal and painful way with the death of his son, Matthew. And I'll never forget what he said in the eulogy. He said that he was no longer afraid to die because he knew that he would see his son Matthew again. And when I heard him say that, I was like, Deacon Cain, in the midst of his, his own pain, his own sorrow, sorrow, is trying to help us somehow. Well, years go by, and... I am starting to approach my own ordination to the diaconate and then to the priesthood. And when you get ordained a deacon, that's when you start preaching to the people at, at Mass. And Deacon Kane was the kind of guy who, he didn't really give me a lot of advice. In fact, I had hardly only a few interactions with him, but he was someone that when he was going to tell you something that was important, you remembered it. And shortly before my ordination, I saw him in this church that he was assigned to back then, and, and uh, it was after Mass, and he, he said, Jason, um, 
I want you to know that as you approach your ministry for preaching, I want you to understand that when you preach, wherever you preach, whether it's at a parish mass or at a wedding mass, a funeral, or, or any other kind of liturgical service where you're preaching, remember this. In every congregation that you preach to, in every group of people that you preach to, there is at least one person there who has a broken heart. There's one person who's gathered at that church service who has a broken heart. Someone whose heart has been broken by life, maybe by what others did to them, by negligence or even by malice, or maybe broken by their own bad decisions, their own sins, or maybe their hearts have been broken by circumstances beyond anyone's control in situations where things get ruined, but there's no one to blame for it. He says there's at least one person there whose heart is broken. And when you preach, you have to say something that helps them. You have to say something that moves them towards some kind of healing. Because you know, a preacher could do the opposite, you know. A preacher can have the opposite effect and can actually cause heartache themselves when they preach in ways that are negative. But Deacon Cain said, you have got to heal the brokenhearted. Now, I know that the gospel says that Jesus Christ came to heal the brokenhearted. The gospel teaches us that the words of Jesus and his presence heal the brokenhearted. But for some reason, when Deacon Cain said that to me, that my preaching of the gospel has to heal the brokenhearted, knowing what he had been through in his own life's journey, it meant a lot to me. I was like, here's a man whose heart has been crushed terribly, and he still believes that the gospel of Jesus Christ can heal the brokenhearted. He could have said to me the opposite. He could have lost his faith in Christ and, and said that nothing can heal the brokenhearted. But he told me that when you preach the gospel, you have to remember that you need to do something to heal the brokenhearted. I'll never forget that lesson of Deacon Cain. Him being through what he'd been through, here's a man who had suffered more than enough in life, and he came out of it believing that the gospel could heal the brokenhearted. Now, in the gospel today, we have the story about two broken hearts. The broken heart of a mother. Her child is suffering. And you know, for every parent, when your child suffers, you know your heart breaks. No matter what is causing their suffering, your heart breaks because you feel like you can't fix it. It's like your heart shatters. Well, here we have a mother whose heart is broken because her daughter is suffering. And the other broken heart is the daughter. According to the gospel passage, it says that she was tormented by a demon. Now, we don't really know what that must have been for her, but it probably wasn't pretty. It probably was not a good experience in this young woman's life. This daughter, maybe she started her life off with a sense of joy and innocence that comes from youth, of of just being happy to be alive. And then now her life, because of some torment, is miserable. 
It's like her life is wrecked. You can believe her heart is broken too. So you have these two broken hearts, the mother and the daughter. And what does the mother do? The mother goes to Jesus Christ with her heart totally broken. And we don't know how broken it was. You know, everybody who has a broken heart, it's unique to themselves. No one has the same kind of brokenness that you have. There might be similarities, but we're all unique and unrepeatable. So whatever broken heart someone has, it's totally unique to themselves. And this mother had a brokenness that probably led her to the point of despair. And yet with all of that pain in her heart, she goes to Jesus Christ. She goes to him. And somehow the presence and words of Jesus Christ heal two broken hearts, the daughter and the mother. And this poor mother, it, it seems like healing is not available. She asks Jesus for help, and it seems like he ignores her. But she perseveres, and eventually she realizes that he is the source of healing. Now, a broken heart is something that is very painful. When your heart is broken by life, you carry that brokenness with you every single day. It never leaves you. But the gospel shows to us that even with a broken heart, you can experience healing. And that comes from Jesus Christ. It doesn't come from ourselves, and it doesn't really come for others. It comes from Jesus Christ himself. And so here is what we learn from today's gospel. If you ever have a broken heart, maybe you have one now. According to Deacon Cain, there's one person here who does. Or maybe you'll have a broken heart sometime in the future. What do we learn from today's gospel? Number one, you have to go to Jesus Christ. And you go to him by your faith in him and by your prayer every day. When you pray, when you say something as simple as, Jesus, please help me, and you say that with a pure heart, with a pure motivation, that's like you're this mother walking toward Jesus with all of the the doubts that she may have had about whether Jesus could heal her or not or whether it was even okay for her to go to Jesus, she went, well, you got to do the same thing by your prayer and by your faith. And the other thing about going to Jesus we have to do, and this isn't always easy, but we have to do it. We have to acknowledge our own sinfulness and turn away from our sins. We don't have to beat ourselves up over our own sins. That's not what God wants. But we cannot commit every sin in the book and then say, God, you got to help me. we got to try our best to conform our lives to the gospel. So we have to go to Jesus. The next thing is, like the mother in this gospel, we need humility. Boy, she really humbled herself before Jesus in this gospel. I think what happens when our heart is broken we might not say we do this, but we really do this. We put ourselves above God. And in our hearts, it's like we start saying, God, you messed up. God, you are all-powerful and all-knowing, and you have allowed a situation in my life to, to go on, and, and you failed. And when we do that, 
And I understand that, and I won't condemn you for feeling that, but it's like we're putting ourselves above the Lord. This woman doesn't do that. She goes straight to Jesus with humility and trust. And finally, we have to persevere in prayer. Perseverance in prayer. Someone showed me this, this beautiful prayer. I, I can't quote it right because it was kind of new to me, but it's a prayer we say to Jesus, something like, Jesus, take care of everything. And we keep saying that over and over in this prayer, persevering in prayer. So brothers and sisters, my friend Deacon Bill Cain believed and shared with me that the gospel of Jesus can heal the brokenhearted. Like you, I wish there were no broken hearts in this world ever. But it seems like life in this world has that as an experience for so many people. May we be convinced, even in the midst of whatever broken heart we may have now or one day in the future, that our deepest healing comes from Jesus Christ himself. May we go to him. May we have humility and may we persevere in our prayer. Jesus Christ is the Lord. He understands our hearts and he comes to heal us every day.